Hey friends, welcome to episode 39 of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather. Mercedes. And Micah. And it is official. We are all back to school now, which Woo! means we're thinking about IEPs and accommodations and supports and services and so much more. And that's why today we have Vicki Brett and Amanda Shalogi from the Inclusive Education Project joining, joining us to deliver their IEP expertise. What better way to kick off our September back to school series, ladies? This is going to be a good one. Back to school. Super necessary. So listeners, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. Okay, Mercedes, Micah, before we bring our guests on and before we jump in with them, it's back to school. We are back to school. How is it going, Micah? Let's start with you. Okay, well, five days in, five days for Ace on the school bus. (sighs) And he's been such a little pro. There have been no tears. He just walks on and sits in his little seat there's only it's only him and another little girl who write it (laughs) which is like and the first couple of days he was alone and I was feeling lots of concerns and then on day three this other little girl who we love who was in his one to three year old class that we took at the hospital um she was there (gasps) my little girl with down syndrome (laughs) Oh my and gosh. I just like about melted to the floor. I, and so, and she gave me five right away and I hadn't seen her in a year and a half. And so, and they are in the same class. They're both fully included in this classroom Stop with it. general ed peers. And I just, um, just makes me shiver all over. I'm so excited. So he's been doing great. He's gotten on and off the bus and, um, I'm feeling really happy about it. Um, before we move on from that, because speaking of buses, yes. if people listened before that August, your oldest son <laughs> is riding the city bus by himself. Mercedes was really worried about this. Can you give us an <laughs> yes. update? Yes. Um, okay. So the update is this. He practiced. He was super excited. And then when it came time to actually do it, he's like, not ready. Okay. <laughs> He's emotionally not ready. Okay. So we are, um, we're taking it slow folks. There's no force. I'm not kicking my kid into the bus. Um, (laughs) so we're, he's been having, that means he's had to be dropped off 30 minutes early and we're leaving the house a lot earlier than I wanted to, but we're figuring it out. All right. You got time. I'll keep you updated on the city bus situation. No <laughs> knives in his back pocket right now. See, maybe he'd feel a little bit better, but he's just not ready for probably not that a knife. knife better. I know. He'd be more it's so weird. Or the bus, I guess. Yeah, you're right. He should be ready for the bus first, then the knife. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> there's a logical series of steps here. Um, I'll go next. Uh, Sunflower is at mommy school. 
And she just got she just ran in the room. The second you said that, she She was like, "Thank you, introduction." Here I am. Sunflower is at mommy's school, and um, it's gone great so far. We've just had field trip days. We are taking a slow progression in. Lord help my children if I do decide to homeschool long term. But um, yes, so we had our first um, day yesterday um or was it wednesday one of the days and we went to the museum it was fun um we're doing it we're making a big move near heather avis and josh avis (laughs) move into the hood (laughs) surprise we're moving next door (laughs) i know and we literally are um and she's kind of paving the way at our local school that she always walks to that I could walk to. So sometimes right. I go back and forth. Sunny, hi. Say hi. Hi, gorgeous. Hi, Sunny. Um, so sometimes I think, hmm, maybe she will go to school. But uh, right now we're just doing mommy school, a.k.a. homeschool. And it's been really fun. A lot of fun. We're just having a lot of fun. I'm <laughs> and not nature surprised. walks. <laughs> I feel like you are the fun teacher. So I'm the fun teacher. Um, and then Terry Brown, of course. Terry Brown helps to keep me in line. Doing her program helps to keep me in line. So that's where we're at, and it's going really good. Good. Well, I I will pave the way for you, Merce. All right, girl. Thank you. You're welcome. I need that. And it would be so fun if she and Augie were in the same class. So um, cute. Fun for them, maybe not for the teacher. They I know. <laughs> they'll figure it out. So speaking of Augie, speaking of how, Augie, how's he doing kindergarten? I know. So we could talk about this for so long, but it's been bumpy. Back to school is bumpy when you are. I think period. Let's just say that back to school mm-hmm. is bumpy, yep. and then you have. We have at this point two kids with IEPs in class in gen ed classrooms with every single person on the IEP team having never done inclusion before. And that was the case last year. And then everyone who was on our team was is not on our team anymore. We have brand new teams too. Wow. Thank you very much. And so it's all bumpy. So the beginning of the week, it was like, Lord have mercy. August has been a little stinker and that's fine. I have no problem with that. He's figuring it out. He's testing them and they are losing. They have failed every test he has thrown out. (laughs) He is five. They are forties in their forties. It's like friends come on. Anyways, they're doing the best they know how to do. But then today I picked him up. He had an awesome day and he ran out and he said, I followed instructions. I said, yeah, you did buddy. (laughs) And then he got home and told all his toys. I followed the instructions today. I stuck. We say, um, stay with the group and stick to the plan. And he stayed with the group and stuck to the plan. And he just only eats hot lunch. And every day he I say, what's for hot lunch? And this is a, like, you know, by your third kid, you choose your battles and hot lunch isn't my favorite. It's fine. You do you, everybody. But he only (laughs) wants hot lunch and I'm not, it's not a battle we're choosing. So he eats hot lunch every day. And every day we say, what was for lunch today? And he says, two hot dogs. And I say, there's no way that every day they're giving you hot dogs for lunch. (laughs) But knowing him, they might like have him in the back in the kitchen and he's like, I'd like a hot dog, please. And everyone gives him whatever he wants. So it's part of the problem. But that's oh a parenting gosh. issue. Another he's, episode. He's such a treat. I So oh my, my August loves him. And we sometimes he just wants to watch videos. This is my 11 year old wants to watch videos of Augie. <laughs> I love so it. The his favorite is when August makes his 
his monkeys talk to each other, and he says, mm-hmm. "Hey, monkey, my shorts are on sale." <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and bow, <laughs> which we didn't tell him to do. I mean, we said we said say about talk about your shirt. Anyways, he's such a trip. He's such a joy, and I don't know that his teacher sees him that way yet as such a joy yet. Yes, she'll get It'll there. It'll happen. It's gonna come. And then Mason, I know I take twice as much time, friends. So I got I got to talk about both of them. Macy Moo has the such a great teacher again this year. Last year we had the best teacher. Her teacher this year is amazing. We have had some bumpy parts, but yesterday she called me to tell me a story that happened in class, which I'm going to share with my good news at the end of the episode. So don't stop listening. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Thank you. That's the <laughs> word. And. Um, she said, and I just get it. I now have an understanding of what you're after because she's been teaching 17 years. She's never had a kid like this in her class. She's never done it. Inclusive practices like this. So she's like, I get it. I totally get why this feels important to you and why it's important for me and my class. And it was like, thank you, Jesus. And then the next day called because Mason refused to leave the nurse's office, like literally the entire morning. (laughs) I'm like, well, Yep, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> um, so I feel, though, I'm super excited to bring these guests on because um, for me, especially w- with IEPs, we're going to have a, an addendum very soon just to set the team up because no one knows what they're doing. And, I've, and I'm like requesting things and feeling like a nudge because I am and trying to get everything in place that my kids need to be successful and that the team needs so my kids can be so everyone involved can be successful Mm -hmm. it is a lot and it always feels like it's all on me Mm. and josh i have a good support a good spouse supporting but i I like when the teachers say i need whatever or this is an issue that's happening i always want to be like well then how am i the only one here that's supposed to fix this like we have an entire Mm -hmm. team of people somebody do something about this i don't have all the answers so yeah. This is, I'm excited. And there's like, we all, I think one of the questions we get the most from our guests is IEP help. Like what I need help right. with IEPs, 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 because mm-hmm. they are a beast and mm-hmm. important. So we're super excited to have our guests yes. today. We're so excited. And um, we, so our guests today are Vicki Brett and Amanda Sologi from the Inclusive Education Project. And let me tell you a little bit about Vicki. She grew up in Southern California and attended UC Riverside and received a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science before becoming a very active Whittier Law School student. Um, and she is, Vicki's committed to strengthening her clients who come to her disheartened and beaten down by the current education system. Wonder if anybody out there knows that feeling. <laughs> and because Vicki is bilingual, she has this ability to represent and empower so many monolingual Spanish-speaking families who are living in Southern California. And we're so excited that she's here. Yeah. And also with her is Amanda Sologi. And Amanda received a degree in child and adolescent development specializing in education from California State University, Northridge, and a Juris Doctorate from Whittier Law School. Um, Amanda's career is so much more than practicing law, though. She uses her expertise as a tool to advocate for the differently abled community. And this is Vicki's passion. And she established a nonprofit, the Inclusive Education Project. 
Very good. So, yes, welcome, you guys. We're so excited that you're here, Vicki and Amanda. Thank you. I like it making Amanda like die of laughter because I said hola too. And I was just going to pretend like I was going to do the whole thing in Spanish. And then um, I don't know she's why. losing her mind. So <laughs> This happens with sometimes. Like we just say things to each other and we just can't lose it. So <laughs> we're so happy to be here. Yeah, thank Perfect. you guys for, for having us. Um, this is something for us that um, we know reaches a lot of different people and um, not just moms, but we feel your frustration. We have to say, you know, we are attorneys. We're not your attorneys yet. Forgive me. Like, don't take it wrong. If I say I would never, I would rather avoid that because that means that things have gone really oh, bad. Oh, but... no. Like our, like, no, 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 our no. goal in like our whole business and we just had like a retreat where we're like reformatting like our mission and like how we're moving forward because we have like so many opportunities that we're like waiting with. And like one of our biggest things is like if our jobs cease to exist, we've done our job. And like mm. that's what we want. That's it's, good. That's good. It shouldn't exist. Our job shouldn't exist. It really yeah. shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are, you're amazing. I've listened to your podcast for a while now, for a couple of years and really appreciate what you guys do. You're so smart and we're really thankful to have you on, but tell our listeners what the inclusive education project is, what it is you guys do. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we are a, we, we keep changing the way we describe it, but we're essentially a nonprofit that provides education, training, and pro bono legal advocacy for families um, across California. Um, so we have our podcast, like you mentioned, that really just strives to change the conversation um, about education, disability rights, um, you know, and anything in that purview. And really just, um, we partner with like presentations and workshops uh, for the community at large, parent groups and, and organizations that work with this community to just get the word out there about um, not only what legal rights families do have and students have and and what schools should be doing, but also kind of changing that conversation about the way that we look at children living with disabilities. Um, and I'm going to steal what you guys said, looking at assets over deficits. We, um, we really try to have a collaborative approach as much as we can um, to helping the IEP team um, do its best job. Um, but there are circumstances where attorneys do need to get involved, unfortunately. The system is not perfect yet. Um, we hope one day it will be. But in the meantime, um, we do offer a pro bono legal aid for low-income families across Southern California. So rad. I love it. Yes. Love it. And we would love to know a little bit of your story because um, you guys met each other in law school, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah, and then, yeah. So kind of how did this come about? Where was, where, for both of you, where did your passion for inclu- inclusive education come from that, um, and did you have like personal co- connections to people in the differently abled community? What happened? This is this is Vicky. So I went to law school thinking that I was going to um, be Aaron Brockovich, like environmental law, like I'm just yeah. going to save the world um, in that way, right? Um, right? And I had met Amanda. We actually studied abroad together. So I was going to my third year, and she was going into her second year, and she was just this like go getter, and was just like 
oh, we should take a class together. Join this clinic. She she went to law school knowing she wanted to be in the area of, of special education. And I have a cousin on the spectrum. Um, he's 25 now, Ken. He's actually been on our podcast and he's just amazing at everything. Um, and, uh, so my personal connection, I, I grew up with him, um, and didn't really know special education law even really existed. Um, so when she told me about, you know, this class that we could take together, it was a special education clinic at Whittier Law School. Um, I was like, sure, I can fit into my schedule. Let's do it. I ended up not even being in her class. They pulled me from the LA to the Orange County section because I spoke Spanish. So we didn't even get the class. No, <laughs> but we stayed in touch and, um, you know, I, not a lot of people kind of go to law school envisioning they're going to do one area of law and then actually practice it and then enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel very lucky and fortunate that, um, I did have that path. I, um, I've always worked with kids like growing up from running a summer camp to, um, tutoring and babysitting and, and, and all across the spectrum, working with kids. And when I was in college, I kind of changed my major a lot. And it kind of just fell into my lap of like, oh, like working with kids, that's, that's what I meant to do. Like I, I, I should be doing that. And um, I was on track to getting my credential to be a special education teacher. Um, My aunt is a special ed teacher in LA Unified. And um, I got a job working as a paraprofessional at um, Chime Charter Elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Woodland Hills, full inclusion. Yeah. And just had the benefit of being able to experience a full inclusion school that works so amazingly. Um, and one of the first students I was paired with was a little boy in second grade um, living with Down syndrome. And I just fell in love, um, just head first in love with this little boy. And it really changed my perspective a lot. Um, I wanted so badly to work with these kids. And the school that I worked at, I it, it's such a one in a million school. Um, to have everybody involved in a school that really understands full inclusion, um, n- now being so involved in IEPs, I'm, it was such a gift. Um, I realized very quickly when I was working with a lot of the families that this is so rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the families who were there, they fought, they fought very hard. And many of them had attorneys and it came to kind of the back of my mind of I'm very outspoken. Um, and I just felt like I would be someone who had to either quit or would get fired because I wouldn't just let red tape stop me. And I realized there's got to be like a better way. And Mm -hmm. I happened to, in speaking with one of the families, I found out that, you know, they had gone through due process and they said, oh, like you should go to law school. And it was always one of those things. My mom worked for law firms my childhood. And I was always told I'm good at arguing. I should go to law school. And it was, (laughs) I fought it so hard. Like I was like, no, no, no. But it just, then it made sense. Um, and I, you know, went to Whittier and was able to do the clinic where I was able to do pro bono work there. And it just kind of fell into my lap, but I couldn't be happier. And, and so then Vicki and I just, um, we met in law school and it was always something where we thought we, we need to do something along these lines together. That's, That's amazing. amazing. That's um, okay. So going to back to it, when you mentioned about, um, talking to your parents about the IEP, what are some of the most common problems you see in the special education system that you address with your clients? 
I think one of the biggest things that we see is miscommunication. I think that when a parent has a definition of, you know, just what a special day class is or even a program um, and they bring it to the school and they feel like they're getting shut down or the school is they're on the same page, but the school is not speaking in either literally the same language. I, I have a hmm. lot of Spanish speakers that a lot, a lot gets lost in translation and there's cultural implications there that, you know, the other side, the district may not really understand. Um, but I think that that is the biggest thing. Um, you know, even with our English speaking clients, we are translating this language of IEP. Like all we do is talk in acronyms, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Individualized Education Program, the IDEA, the Individuals with Disability Education Act, you know, um, and it's overwhelming just being a parent, period. Mm -hmm. And then to have a child that may have a different, like a learning difference, um, and then just trying to become an expert in that, um, and then trying to learn this new language. Um, mm -hmm. I think that is at the root cause of, of so much. Yeah, that, and I think not clearly defining expectations. Um, when we write these IEPs, and, and probably one of the best advice we can give to families um, is that make sure that the IEP is very clear Make sure that any, I mean, it's supposed to be written to where anybody can pick it up and understand exactly what's supposed to happen. But oftentimes the notes are written so vaguely that the whole picture of the conversation is not documented, that, you know, it's it's discussed how a certain special day class is different from another or even just um, accommodations. Um, you know, we, we often write, people write all accommodations as um, very vague. Uh, we don't classify when these accommodations are being provided, where they're being provided, who has the burden of providing them? Is it up to the student to ask for it or is it given automatically? And so, you know, we, we try to say that, you know, when we talk about kids having um, WH question goals, like that should be your mentality for your IEP. You need to ask who, what, where, why, and when for every part of the IEP, because oftentimes if it's not clear one person's doing one thing, mm -hmm. another person's doing something mm -hmm. else, and the parent thinks a third thing is happening. Mm -hmm. And right. then that even stifles the miscommunication even further, um, that then people get upset because they thought one thing was happening and someone else thought something else. And then if we don't meet for a year, then it's 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 like we've been doing it this way for a year and right. it's too late. Yeah. Hmm. Do you – okay. Do you have um... – some suggestions on like you said, we make it crystal clear, which as I'm listening to you say it, it, that seems like that you're saying that's the parent's job. Like in, like in, in my experience so far, and I used to teach special education. So I sat on the other side of IEPs, hundreds of them. Um, and it seems like these details, the parent needs to care and implement those. Otherwise it's not really going to happen. Does that sound about right in your guys' experience? I'm, I mean, it's one of those things where it should it's it is the job of the school district and the IEP team to make sure that it is written correctly. But because we know that a big problem with IEP teams is that they just aren't educated on all the different facets of what the IDEA says they're supposed to do. Um, you know, we try to get parents to be aware of these things that can be possible in their IEPs. It shouldn't be your job. But mm -hmm. until the system as a whole um, 
operates in a way that allows every person that works for a school district to understand the components of the IEP truly. Um, you know, it unfortunately is something where parents do have to speak up on some of these things. So the most that we can do right now is while we try to educate the school districts as much as we can educate parents as well, that helps, right? So, yeah. you know, if, and, and, and a lot of times when school districts write things in the IEP, they think it's clear for them. Because the, 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 the word that they're using, the term of art they're using is very clear to them, or maybe it's very clear to the whole district because it's written in some kind of policy or some manual that that's what that means. Mm -hmm. But if they don't explain it to the parents, and so that's where sometimes that loss in translation even happens with English is that, you know, the word program, what does that mean? Is that an intervention reading program like seeing stars or is it a program like a special day class, mm. even something as simple as that? And so, you know, parents, school district doesn't know if you have a different definition. Like we kind of need to all be making sure, checking each other, making sure everyone's on the same page when okay. we use language. Yeah. Mm. Which comes back to, like you said, communication is so huge with IEP teams. And so, okay, I have, a, I have lots of questions here, friends. <laughs> um, one, so one thing that's been really frustrating for me in the past is I'll sit around a table, we'll come up with a great plan. Like, like there's people on my team I trust and, and love and I'm grateful for. And then it's those, those W questions, you know, like this is the accommodation, who, when, where, what, how. And then it's like, okay, we're going to meet again in in four weeks and in four weeks no one's done the thing so for example a picture schedule for the morning and afternoon routines and then it's like okay where's the picture schedule you know like time's gone by who's doing this and those things have been established what do we do then to be hmm. proactive hmm. in a way that's that is beneficial so that's that's a really specific example sure. in which it's like okay, how quickly can this be done? It's not going to be done in four weeks. Like it's, it's almost, you know, how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You just don't make it. It doesn't just appear, right? It's like, you literally have to spell out, okay, well, do we have bread, peanut butter, jelly? Do you go okay. to the fridge to go get it? I mean, it, it seems so tedious and ridiculous and funny to us, but it's almost with that example, it's like, okay, this, this is what needs to be on the schedule. And we need to have a printout that I can review. You know, if that's a Monday meeting, can you do it by Friday? It, it, it's like, it's these attainable goals because it seems simple. Like, right. oh yeah, we'll get it done. And then in four weeks we'll tell you about, but it's like, if we don't even know when that schedule right. was supposed to be approved by you, then you're going to go to that meeting in four weeks and they're going to be like, oh yeah, we didn't get it done. And it was right. like, wait, what? Yeah. It's about defining those expectations. And, you know, I feel like we're often a broken record when we say there's a thing that should be done and then there's what's actually done. Right. Mm. So if you have on your on your IEP team a program specialist or a coordinator, um, the role of that person is to make sure what are our follow-up steps and who's doing them, and they're supposed to be the ones following up. But oftentimes, it's up to the parents or if they have an advocate or an attorney to be the accountability police. So, like, what I tell parents sometimes is, you know, when, you, when you're leaving that meeting, like, when I go to an IEP meeting, my IEP meeting notes always has a bottom thing that says a follow-up and like, what are my tasks following up? What is the team doing? What am I doing? What is the parent doing? Um, and from there, that's how I know like what should be done next. Like it's often helpful before you close out the meeting, 
to just reinforce it, right? Just tell the team, hey, before we leave, I just want to remind everyone, these are the items that we said are going to be our like to-do list. Okay. Um, and then even as simple as like after the meeting, you go home, send an email out to your team and say, just want a reminder. Like, it's ridiculous that that's something that happens. But I mean, just like in real life, like, you know, we do this in our office. Like we have a case management system where we have to set tasks, like remind people of things because we not, we're all human. Like we do forget things. And I try to tell parents that all the time that sometimes things are just, they slip through the cracks and it's hard to not find it personal because you think, well, it should be a priority and it should be. Um, but oftentimes if they have 30 students, things do get fallen through the cracks. So as much as you can do to kind of be very formulaic about it, oftentimes like it keeps it on people's radar that like, like Vicky said, you set a deadline. It's going to be drafted by Friday. I'm going to review it. By Monday, it's being implemented. Yeah. And then again, just to clarify, when you're talking modifications and accommodations specifically, like that idea of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you're saying, okay, this person is going to get the the idea from this person and this person's going to, like you're saying, write out every single specific task and who's going to do those things, right? Yeah, as feasible as possible. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, then no one know no one's no one's questioning. It's it's like um, you know, they say uh, you you should it's better for you to get in a car accident on a rural road than a, a heavily populated road because on a heavily populated road everyone is thinking someone else has got this, but it's less likely to happen if mm -hmm. you're on a rural road because someone's like I'm not going no one else is going to see this, right? So, you know, if everyone is like, oh, someone else has got it, then no one's got it. <laughs> okay. I, I have more questions, but ladies. Well, I'll, have, I'll yeah. hop in. I'll hop okay. in. Okay. So my son, Ace, is four. So I've been through just a few IEP meetings. And at the beginning, all of my like intent was just to get him into the inclusive setting I wanted him in. And now I find myself in an actual classroom and starting to, you know, have things that come up that I am not sure. I All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, maybe this should be an accommodation. Maybe I should be calling an IEP meeting. And so it's things like right now we're potty training. And um, it's easier for the classroom, for the teachers, if Ace is in a pull-up. But I would rather him not be in a pull-up. I'd rather him keep practicing having you know, the undies on. So this, you know, this is one of those things where I'm going, okay, is this a, how do you know when this should be something I should bring into that IEP? Like when, when does it become just like, stop being a conversation with the teacher and where I'm just like, Hey, I'd prefer this. And when does it become, Hey, let's call a, a meeting. Let's talk about if we're supporting ACE the way he needs to be supported. I I think that it's always important to have it in an IEP meeting. Um, the notes are part of that conversation, and it's for future use too, right? Um, and and having that open line of communication, especially if you know some of the teachers that that we deal with are are wanting to do so much, and then they just don't have the support. Um, and so they'll say yes to you, and then you know you check in with them three months later, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we weren't doing that. Um, but if it was in an IEP, maybe you could have, 
you know, had a follow-up IEP. Um, you could have had a communication book that, you know, is starting to initiate the back and forth um, between you and the teacher. Um, you know, it's, we're attorneys, and so everything that's written, we, we prefer. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, follow up that conversation with the teacher with an email um, because uh, at, a, at a certain time, you know, them saying like, oh, I don't remember us having that conversation. Oh, well, do you remember this email that I sent? You know, and like, you know, yeah. just yeah. To, as, as a form of just that check-in, right? Right. And, and also, like, a lot of times teachers mean very mean well and they want to do as much as possible, but they have limitations. And if you open it up to the IEP team, you have the ability to have the conversation about how else can we do this, right? Yeah. Is there other supports the district has as a resource that can be supporting this teacher? Um, so it doesn't just leave it up to just the teacher. But I mean, a very technical answer is just like what Vicki said, anything in writing is, is going to be better. Um, anything that is something that is given or done for your child that isn't given or done for everybody else in the class should be in the IEP because okay. that is considered special education, right? So if everyone else in the class is potty trained and you're the, you're, your child is the only one having a, um, a, a set like potty training routine, then that mm. should be in the accommodations page. Um, mm. but, but the other thing that I just want to mention, and because like what you're saying is something that we get a lot by parents, uh, the idea of it's easier for the team to do it one way, or I don't want to be difficult. Um, this perception that I think a lot of uh, parents and a lot, especially moms place on themselves that, you know, they don't want to be that burden. They want to make things easy. Um, but special education was designed and, you know, these IEPs were, were created under the law specifically to help your child. So it's not a burden. It's not necessarily about what's easy um, because it may be a little bit more difficult for a short time, but the long-term gain is better for everybody. So yes, Having that pull up right now is very easy in this moment. But think about if you could get him potty trained quicker, the long term of the rest of his educational career is just going to be better. So, you know, we, we try to we try to instill in like in, in families that, you know, don't be afraid to at least ask, have a conversation. Um, there's nothing there's nothing going to be wrong about having that conversation, even if you ultimately decide, look, we're going to keep it going with this path right away. And maybe we're going to talk about it again later. It at least opens that door so that everyone's on the same page that this is something that, you know, your intention is to have your child be more independent. Um, and that's good for the team to know even just what you're thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I think we should, this is probably something we should cross stitch like on a pillow. If it's something that's happening yes. different for your child in the classroom, it should be in the IEP. I, I think that's so good. I think I should change the wording before we do the pillow. I'll get it. We got to get it right. But and I what, like was the, it. what was your wording that you said? I was going to have you repeat that phrase because it was so good. Okay. Oh, if it's different for your child than for the rest of the students in the classroom, it should be in the IEP. Wow. That's, that's profound. That's what they said, right? That's what she said. It was good. Yes. In the, in a scarf. Okay. Or just scarf. tattooed. We'll just a like, tattoo. That's if, way better. Yeah. Let's do that. That's way better. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to do this side of my, right. of my arms waistline. Up. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then wear just a crop top because it's going to be on your side. To the IP. Perfect. Um, this is just going many, down a hill. 
I was going to jokingly say, how many meetings, and a little serious, how many meetings is too many meetings in a year? Where you're like, where is it like, because there are, there are years where I'm like, seriously, the last thing I want to do is have another IEP meeting and we have to get the team together to talk about this and put it in the IEP. It's so many meetings. Can I tag on my yeah. question to that? Be- okay. So many meetings because also how many time, how much time do you give them to get everything in place? Cause we keep saying four weeks, but, and I did the math, that's 20 days. So 20 days of not them, of our child right. going to school without having the proper things in place to make them successful. I just think that's an issue. Like for me, so yes. Yeah. So that would mean another meeting, like you're saying, Heather, to make all these meetings happen and make like these time frames, And then you're like at the end of the year and you got to train a whole new teacher. Right. I just think that's exhausting. I want quick fixes because that's how it makes our kids more successful in the classroom. I don't like that there's so much time in between, but that's just me. I'm a so, millennial. No, it's prob- <laughs> it is problematic. It is problematic. And there are some things well, in now. the law. Yeah. So tell us, ladies. Well, yeah. So, I mean, a parent can request you. Per the law, you have an annual IEP. And so then that's just the, whenever your child kind of got their IEP, you know, if it was in January of that year, then you're going to have it January, essentially January every year from then on. But a parent can request an IEP meeting and the school district has 30 days to um, have that IEP meeting with you. So I think that that's kind of like maybe where the, the four weeks and that was just like the example that Heather had kind of painted for us where in that particular IEP, they had said, okay, well, let's, let's get together in four weeks. As soon as you sign consent, to whatever it is and change in service, change in accommodation, change in modification, it should be implemented as quickly as possible. And and right. so you want to give a little bit of, of grace. Now, is, is a day or two for the teacher to do a, a visual schedule, is that reasonable? I think that's reasonable. Is four weeks reasonable? No, no. absolutely not. Um, right. but you know, if, if they didn't get to it that week, but the teacher has been communicating with you and he's saying, you know what, I was supposed to get this to you by Wednesday. Can I get it to you by Friday? You know, that's that kind of collaborative and, and grace that sometimes we have to remind our clients is that your child is important, but they may have more than your child with yeah. an IP in right. their, in their class. So I, I don't think that there is a set number that's too many IEPs. Um, I think it's very circumstantial. Um, I've had a number of students that I have brought them from a full special education SDC um, fully contained class to a general education class within a year. I had another student that we took two years, another student we took three years. The students where I've done this successfully, it's been a gradual process. Obviously, we would love for a child right out the bat of preschool being fully included. But the reality is that often doesn't happen. And so families come to us and they say, we want to put our child in full gen ed. And they're already in the uh, SEC full time. So sometimes it becomes this like gradual. So if your intention is to do a gradual transition to a gen ed class, um, usually my strategy for that is I have IEPs every like two months for that mm-hmm. course that year. Um, but it's a very, um, like it's a plan that's very, um, it's, we put it together like ahead of time. Um, it's very intentional. Um, so it may be something where we hold the IEP at the beginning of the school year and we set our expectations for the next two months and we build a communication system within the IEP. And again, it should be written in the IEP that there's a communication system. Is it weekly? Is it daily? Is it 
every other week. Um, is it emails? Is it a log that actually goes in the child's backpack? What is it, right? Um, you're very clear about what that communication system is. And so the idea is that in the course, maybe we're placing the child for an hour in the gen ed class. And we're placing the expectations on the special ed and gen ed teachers to collaborate on creating the modifications and as necessary, right? And we're providing information to the parent about how it's going through the communication system. And our goal is that over the course of the next two months, we're gonna take data and be very clear about what data you're taking. Are you taking it on task initiation, task completion, maladaptive behaviors, whatnot, right? And the idea is that they, that data can come home and in two months, we're going to have another meeting. And at that first meeting, we're setting a date for the next meeting, right? So we're being very intentional about how we're planning that process. So every step of the way, there may be something that comes up, but you're not waiting to find out what's happening, right? Because you're getting that communication system home on a regular basis. And you know exactly what to expect. And at that next meeting, you then can review well, what happened in those last two months. Did we meet the expectations that we placed? Did we not? Do we need to modify? And sometimes you have to tweak things. Sometimes you go in and you say, you know, the kid is in there for math and it's working very well. But during science, it's not working as well or vice versa. And maybe we need to put an aid in for ELA but not for science because it's hands-on. And and that's just something where you can you can like really maneuver it around um, and massage the IEP as necessary at that time. And you know, like I said, I've had situations where we do that same like four two month period. We do that every two months over the course of the year. But that's because we're being very intentional about what we're doing. We're trying to increase that gen ed time. If it's something where we're trying to read an intervention program, that that reading intervention program can send home reports on a weekly basis to the parent, maybe we don't need a check-in in two months unless something comes up. Maybe we can say we're going to meet in four months. So, you know, I always say, like, err on the side of caution. Like, if you're concerned about something, don't let it wait. They do have 30 days to schedule that meeting. Um, but as soon as you have a concern, let them know in writing, this is my concern. I'd like to talk about it in an IEP. Um, some IEP teams can surprise you and say, hey, we're seeing the same thing. We actually think we need to put in this accommodation. Let's just do a non-meeting IEP and give you an addendum. We can make changes without meeting. Um, so there's a lot that can be done, and it's it's like, don't, don't be afraid to ask. I mean, yes, like if you had an IEP meeting every three weeks for an entire school year, that might be too much. But if the child is having severe behaviors and needs to be placed in a different setting, then maybe it isn't too much because maybe it's a safety issue. Mm. I'm feeling stressed. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's just, I it's such good information. And I, I want to add this just to our listeners. Um, we obviously don't have enough time to go into, there's so much we could go into. Yeah. And you guys, this is the amazing thing about the Inclusive Education Project because they have their own podcast and they have gone deep into so many things. Yeah. And um, we just encourage all our listeners to, to find them and uh, download episodes, learn your stuff. Okay, so um, we probably should only ask a couple more questions, but let's do this. So talk to real briefly, you're setting up, you're getting ready for an IEP. There's three categories I'm going to give you. So it's someone going into preschool, right? Our three-year-old kiddos who are going into preschool. Talk to that mom, like top three things, three to five, five max with our, in our time frame that you need to make sure are taking place in your IEPs. 
um, in the, in that initial meeting and then talk to the moms who are transitioning from like elementary to junior high and then talk to the moms. This is a lot, you guys, sorry. Talk to the moms who are then, um, getting ready to leave high school. Whoa. I love this. I've got my pen out. I'm going to start taking notes. (laughs) Is that too much? (laughs) No, no, no. I think so. You were, you were asking the top three things to tell for each of those transition periods. Right. When you're in your, like in terms of an IEP, these things need to be in your IEP or when you're meeting with your team, this is what you need to make sure you're bringing to the table in those different scenarios. And maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes okay. sense. And I, and I think, you know, one of the things about our kiddos is that they they change day to day, minute to minute. So at the very beginning, I think you set that intention of we're doing this gen ed thing. Oftentimes we love getting the kiddos um, and the parents that are, you know, just just at the beginning of their journey, um, because knowledge is power to a certain extent. And Oftentimes, um, they will go to this first IEP and they're going to say, your child needs all this support. And guess what? We have a special day class and they're just going to get it. And we're just, it's going to be great. And you're going to get everything that you want. Um, Oftentimes, that's the fast track to being in special education forever, Mm -hmm. right? Um, At least throughout your educational career. Um, And although the the thought process behind it is like, yes, this child um, needs to have these supports and services. Um, Oftentimes, that's not what actually happens. So um, it's one of those things where when you're going to that IEP, be very, you know, if if you want to try it out, that's totally fine, but have an exit strategy. Um, That's not really like a top three, but I think that that's a general kind of That's the main thing that you should focus on when you have that kiddo, Um, because if the goal is general education kindergarten, what are you doing? Even if I have to go into this special day class, what am I doing? Can that just be for this first year? Can we get a little bit, you know, is there a gen ed class that um, they can be mainstreamed into for, um, you know, circle time? Like, don't just give up completely that mainstreaming opportunity because other kids learn from each other and, um, you know, typical, what is typical, but the neurotypical kiddos, you would like your child to be there because they're modeling and you want them to, life is not segregated into special day class work, uh, workstations and and general education workstations. Um, so that is a big thing that runs through all of those transitions, but most important for our three to five kiddos. Yeah. And I think with all three of those transitions, um, the thing about transitions is you're almost starting over. Um, you're almost starting with something new in the sense that usually what is available in preschool is different from what's available in kindergarten and first through fifth, which is different than middle school, which is different than high school. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you understand the different placement options, I think is very important. Now the IEP teams are going to a lot of times, like when parents ask, like, well, I want to know what are the different program options in your elementary school? A lot of IP teams will say, whoa, 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 let's back up. We need mm-hmm. to start with the goals because goals drive services and services drive placement. Right, right. However, I think it's very important to be aware of these settings to begin with. And the reason for that is even though we are drafting goals first, we can draft goals with the expectation in mind of the placement that you're thinking would be appropriate for your child. So if you're thinking that your child should be fully included, which 
you know, we very much come from this perspective as the majority of students should be fully included. Um, that what what is it that we're looking for? How can we make sure that that child is setting up to be successful in gen ed? Well, if we know what the standards are in that gen ed class and we know what's expected of them in that gen ed class, we can then figure out what what skill areas, what skill sets does this child not yet have not yet mastered that it's expected? And those should be the goals area that we focus on, because then we're saying, look, we know the child might need more support in following directions, might need more support um, with communication. And then we're going to have goals and services derived to fit it. But then we get to the when we get to the prospect of placement. It's very easy to say, well, this can be implemented in a gen ed class because here are the supports that are either already available or are possible. Right. Mm -hmm. An aid can be placed in a gen ed class during certain circumstances to support. So it just gives you an idea because I think a lot of times families um, can't picture a classroom mm -hmm. or can't picture a program. Right. Because they're not really given information. So yeah. when we're going down this route of, OK, we've gone through these goals. Are you comfortable with them? Well, how, how could you possibly be comfortable with them if you don't you can't even visualize how they're being implemented and and, and where um, I think it gives you a good picture of like where to start, because that is going to be where you where everything's going to happen is in which program, you know, are you going to end up? So then would you suggest those parents that they should observe the programs? Like you're yeah, saying, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And especially for our kiddos that are transitioning. Um, so a lot of schools, districts don't have gen ed preschools. Um, so right. what you might be able to observe in that preschool um, age, it may only be a special day class. Mm -hmm. However, you can go to your local preschools, go find one that's accredited um, or, you know, is, is licensed by the state, right? And you can go and you can observe that as well. And you can compare and contrast because then when you come and you have a, a, the IEP team saying, well, we're not sure if your child can be in gen ed because we expect them to be able to do X, Y, and Z. You can say, well, I've actually seen other preschools and like typical kids have trouble with these things too. We can support them in this environment. I think it gives a better picture. And then certainly like when we get into the upper grades, so higher elementary school, middle school, high school, there's so many different types of classes that it's, you can't just look at a list of attributes of a class and know exactly what they mean. I think you really like seeing it is, is really helpful. And I think oftentimes schools only do automatic observations when it's high school. Cause it's like, they do the, like, um, you know, you live in this area, so you're going to go to this high school. This is your home school. So, you know, orientation, take a tour type of thing when mm -hmm. they're in their like, you know, eighth grade year, but you can do it as, as early as the beginning of your eighth grade year or fifth grade, um, you know, at the beginning of the fifth grade year, because if we're having an expectation that in the transition year, we want something to be different, we need to set this child up for success to be able to be successful in that different setting, right? So if we know that for middle school, we want them to be in gen ed or want them to be in an RSP program, then the fifth grade year is the year that the beginning we can set those expectations. These are the skill sets that we want them to master before they start middle school. Let's work on it now. Don't wait until the end of the school year. Okay. Okay, mm -hmm. I won't. I won't. We're in fifth grade. <laughs> Do it, Do it we're, Heather, fifth you got grade. Working, we're working so hard. Just kidding. The <laughs> <laughs> ladies are gold. Oh my goodness. Uh, no. Thank you so much, like for having us on. And I mean, we can there's just so many different 
things that, you know, just apply to your child or just apply to the kid with dyslexia. And, you know, for us wanting to have the inclusive education project as, as a nonprofit, as a 501c3, um, is a softer kind of punch than just being like, we're special education attorneys. Blah. Like, I think that being able to have that knowledge and that expertise um, is really colored by the the different experiences that our kiddos go through. Yeah. Because what will work for one kiddo with Down syndrome sure as hell won't work for another kid with with Down syndrome. Right. Just you know, and and Heather, just like the teacher getting to know your child, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and the nuances, and you know, they'll they'll eventually get to you know, it's allowing that grace. I think um, not everybody has that patience, but just that that teacher is even willing to to try, or maybe you forced her to try, whatever. But <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, yeah, either way, it's like, we're here, so let's give it our best shot. Yeah. Right. And I think what, like, you guys really, um, you know, portray to your audience is, like, you know, to other moms, you guys aren't alone. Um, the same thing applies for, like, IEP help. Um, I'm just going to do a little plug. Yes. We have a Facebook group. Um, it is a closed group, but as long as you say, like, you know, you have a connection to this community, we let you in. Um, but it's it's an open forum for parents and educators. We have a number of educators on there to talk about concerns that they have with IEP. So just a lot of the questions that you guys are bringing up today. And and I know that it like it, it does seem stressful, like going through these issues. But, you know, you can go to an attorney and an attorney is going to give you a very attorney answer. But you know, what works for, like Vicky said, what works for one kid may not work for another. And the same with school districts and schools. Um, so we really encourage parents to like join this Facebook group. It's not about um, us giving advice to people in the Facebook group. It's about you guys giving advice to each other or even just saying, I'm having a problem with this. What do you guys do when you have this pro problem? Mm -hmm. And other people can give feedback. And like I said, there's some administrators and some t educators in there that sometimes can give feedback on, you know, here's something from our perspective, what might be helpful. So like that's a good forum that we think um, is available um, to our listeners and hopefully your listeners as well um, if you want to join that community. I love that. Yeah. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us, tell us about that forum, how people can get there. Tell us about your project. Tell us about your podcast, which us three ladies are going to be on an episode. Oh, yeah. um, turning the tables. Tell us, tell our so listeners our, everything our they website, need to know. Yeah. Our website is inclusiveeducationproject.org. So easy peasy. Um, and the Facebook group is just the Inclusive Education Project podcast. Um, if you notice the acronym, it's IEP. You see what we did there? Oh, that is rich. <laughs> <laughs> and our Instagram handle is inclusive education project as well. And so like you can get access to, and we have a regular like page on Facebook as mm -hmm. well. And you can get to the podcast group through that as well. Um, it's all, it's all our name basically. Yeah. We, we um, were really creative with it. <laughs> keep it on. Uh, and yeah, our podcast, you can listen to it on pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. So obviously through the Apple um, podcast app, Stitcher, Google Play, um, we're now on Spotify, I think iHeartRadio now, um, but you should be able to find us. Um, so give us a listen if you like what you heard today. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, well, we, it, we are going to take a little break. And when we get back, we're going to have our favorite part of the show, good news. And we're hoping you ladies will stick around. Does that sound good? Of course. Absolutely. All right. All right. We'll be right back. All right, friends. Welcome back to our favorite part of this and 
every Lucky Few podcast. And it is called Good News. I'm trying to sound like a 50s pop song. Good News. I think I need more backup singers to make I it. Think you're, I think you're on your own. I think you're on your you're own. You're leaving me in the <laughs> dust over here. Good news. Thanks. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, okay, I have good news to share. Um, Sunflower... Uh, her speech is just coming along and just recently in the past two weeks, she's been saying, she used to just say mom or dad and it used to be just like kind of like a ma and not like a mom, but, um, recently she's been saying mommy and daddy. So she's been adding (laughs) some, what is it? Syllables, um, to that. Yeah. What are those called again? Syllables. What are those called? <laughs> Syllables. Um, and that's a, it, that's a lot of work for her. And I just feel like, I don't know, it's slowly but surely coming along her speech. And I'm proud of her. That's good news, girl. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, okay. So, Mason, um, if you stayed tuned, then you get to hear what the good news is. I was talking about earlier in the episode. But she, in fifth grade, everyone has a laptop. And there's like a whole thing that happens in order in the beginning of the class when it's time for computers and everyone lines up and gets their laptop. Everyone has a class number. Mason's number four. And you find your number, you get your laptop, then you walk down the line and get go to the cubbies where the headphones are and then you get out your headphones and you sit down. Well, um, this is not about that, but my husband and I are like very, well, no, it is. Sorry. What I'm about to say is not about that. We're very um, strict with our screen time. So our bless our sweet little fifth grader who should be really great on iPads and iPhones and computers. We've just never let her be on them. (laughs) So it's now a problem. But so she's like has some, she's not super excited about a laptop. So every day that they do computers, she just doesn't do it. She's just like, nope, not going to do it. And the teacher, the story she wanted to tell me, is that when it's time for computers, Mason decided to get up, totally appropriately got in line with all her peers. Like she'd been watching her peers for about two weeks do this. Mm-hmm. Got in line with her peers, found her number, and she was like, she's Mason has an aide in the classroom. And the teacher just said to the aide, like, let's just watch her problem solve this. Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get in here and interject. We're just gonna let her figure it out. And she's like kind of talking herself through it and finds the four and pulls out her laptop and then walks down to the cubbies appropriately. And her number four was covered by a bag. And so she's like looking for number four, feeling frustrated, pulls out number 24 because there's a four there and like they could see that she was, didn't, she knew that wasn't right, but where's the four? And then another kid in class walks over, moves the bag out of the way and says, oh Mason, you're, it's right here. And he's like, oh, thank you. Pulls it out, gets her headphones, sits down with her laptop and her headphones. And that was the teacher's like, I had to share that with you because I saw it. Like I saw how important it is for her to have that peer model and how things are going to take a little bit longer and how, yeah, she didn't really do anything on the laptop, but that was it's such a huge win and if she didn't have that access and opportunity to that then she never would have gotten that little routine and it's not little it's big so that was exciting muffins i love I it love that. <laughs> <So good. laughs> 
Oh, I love it. I have one. I um, just started Ace in swim class this week, and he just loved swimming all summer, and I knew I needed to get him because he just runs for water, just like <laughs> dive in head first. Um, and so, and it was a little bit tricky because the 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 swim place wasn't sure, like didn't really want to talk to me or make plans ahead of time. So he just like got in the water with this and thankfully there was just one other little girl in the class and he was like not listening and not really sitting still um which is what i expected but uh he allowed them to put the flippers on his feet and Ooh. i was so proud of him for that and then he started figuring out just even in this 30 minute class that like they wanted him to sit on the step but he was like standing there um and a little wiggly but he's he started standing there and I felt like, you know, it was not the, the instructor was not quite prepared and it's probably wasn't ideal for her, but I got to see him learning throughout the class and, um, starting to figure it out. And I think we're going to like make some progress there. Yes. Yeah. Good job. Ace. I love it. That that is awesome. And you know, we, as attorneys, we have attorney-client privilege, so we, we have many that I know, I know, that we, like, you know, share amongst ourselves, um, but hopefully something that's good news that we can share um, with you and your audience is that the Inclusive Education Project is um, hosting their fifth annual fundraiser, um, and it's going to be in October in Southern California, but... Um, it's similar to an event that we hosted last year, which was a panel event that we recorded. So if you're not in Southern California, you can't attend in person. That's okay. Um, it'll be a part of our podcast. And we um, are getting um, various experts and trying to connect the bridge between um, reading literacy and the consequences of, of falling behind. So this applies to so many, yeah. so many kids yeah. um, in so many different spots. And we're really trying to, in, in changing the conversation, um, not just talk about what the problem is, um, that um, I think the stat is like 50% of third graders in the United States can't read, um, which is huge. Like that's the problem, but what can we do about it? Um, we're going to have professionals on to talk about solutions and um, program interventions. Um, we're going to be um, demoing some of the programs out there. So um, it'll, it'll be a really great um, learning event as well. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So great. Thank Hi, you for sharing. And maybe we'll be there. That would be fun. Oh, we'll yeah. love it if you check guys it. Check it out, girl. I, I live in SoCal. We also Yay. call it SoCal. Yeah. 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 It's in Huntington Beach, so. I love awesome. that. Well, thank you ladies so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. And as always to our friends, we want to hear good news from you about your loved one who has Down syndrome. You can leave us a voicemail at 424 442 9147 and share your good news. And if you have a product or a business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, then we would love to partner with you. And you can email us at hello at the lucky few podcast.com for sponsorship opportunities. And as always, a huge thank you to our editor and producer, Andy Lara, and our co-producer, Val Schleter, our sponsor, and all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends and who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe, do it the second you're done here, and go find Inclusive Education Project and subscribe with them wherever you get podcasts. 
wherever you listen to your podcast. And remember that you are dear listener, supporting your level with Down syndrome. You are a shouter of worth and you are a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on because we are cheering for you. And we will see you all next week on the Lucky Few podcast. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.